Hi, I'm Dina Burke, the host of Super Money, a podcast about Bitcoin for total beginners. If you're here, it means that you're at least a tiny bit curious about what Bitcoin is, how it works, and why people are so freaked out about it. That's so awesome, and I can't even tell you how honored I am to be the one that lets you in on this absolutely insane world. Bitcoin attracts just as many radicals and revolutionaries as it does frauds and scammers. It's a truly wild corner of humanity, so welcome. We're going to start with the basics. What is Bitcoin? Simply put, Bitcoin is money. A definition that I like is that Bitcoin is a new type of money made on the internet for the internet. And this is actually all you need to know. If you can get a handle on this definition, like you've really got the core of it. So let's unpack the definition I gave for a minute. Again, Bitcoin is a new type of money made on the internet for the internet. So this first part, Bitcoin is money meaning it's a container that holds value and that value is exchangeable for goods and services. So you can use Bitcoin to pay for things like coffee or plane tickets or Lamborghinis or whatever. Now, not a lot of places accept it yet. And frankly, its lack of use as a currency for trade is one of the main things that people say is holding back its growth. That's debatable. Some people don't think of it as a working currency at all and just think of it as something to invest in like you would with gold. These are two ways of looking at Bitcoin, and it's a very hot topic in the industry that we'll get into some other time. But really what you need to know right now is that Bitcoin is money, and you can use it to pay for things where it's accepted as payment. So this second part, Bitcoin is made on the internet. Bitcoin is ones and zeros. It's software. There is nothing tangible about Bitcoin in the physical world or in the real world. There's no bill, it's not a coin or whatever. And if this is surprising to you, don't worry, you're in good company. I've encountered a lot of very smart people for whom this was news. So yeah, Bitcoin exists entirely online. Um, its impact isn't entirely online, but Bitcoin itself is fully digital. So the third part, it's made for the internet. Bitcoin is designed for a digital age. It's made for transacting online and it facilitates a true person-to-person -person payment without needing to rely on any intermediaries like a bank or whatever to complete the transaction. It's truly peer-to-peer. -peer. And you'll hear this phrase peer-to-peer -peer, thrown around a lot when talking about Bitcoin. Um, and you might be thinking, rightfully so, like, okay, cool, but Venmo is peer-to-peer, Venmo is person-to-person -to -person too, so like, why is that different? Why is Bitcoin different? And yeah, you're right, like, Venmo feels like it's peer-to-peer, -peer, but really, it's just a digital veneer for a bunch of corporate handshaking that goes on behind the scenes. So that $5 you sent to your friend last night to pay them back for dinner, like, that needs to pass from your bank to Venmo, to your friend's bank, in order for it to be complete. And that right there are three middlemen. And by the way, that's majorly simplified, not even considering all of the plumbing that this type of transaction relies on, like ACH rails, transaction monitoring, background checks, settlements. All of these things are built or managed by third parties. So all of these middlemen touching your account or your money at various points along the way, all of this comes at a cost either monetarily or in the form of access to your personal data. 
And when it comes to your money and where it moves, your data is really personal and very valuable to these corporations. So yeah, Venmo and your banks and all of these other cogs in the machine, like they're more than happy to keep things very convenient and seemingly free for you, though you are paying in other ways. Whereas with Bitcoin, when you send your friend $5 worth of Bitcoin, that transaction doesn't need anyone else to complete it. It exists entirely between you two and the blockchain. When I made my first Bitcoin payment to a friend, it really felt like this watershed moment. I did it, I controlled it, and then it was done. Sending my friends money on Venmo like, has never felt the same since I made that first Bitcoin transaction. Okay, so as far as the basic definition goes, like that's pretty much it. I really want to emphasize, like, if you get the gist of it right now, you're doing great work. You know what Bitcoin is. Okay, so moving on, I want to highlight one major characteristic that makes Bitcoin different than regular money, like dollars or whatever. So Bitcoin is decentralized. This is really its defining trait. Decentralized is a big fancy word, and maybe it's intimidating or confusing for you, but really it just means that there's no boss, there's no central authority, no company, no corporation, no government or person that decides the rules of Bitcoin, how it's made and what it's worth. So there's no president, there's no CEO, um, and no one entity decides the price of Bitcoin, how much gets created or how it can be used. Now, many people in governments are trying to control Bitcoin in various ways, but in its pure form, it can exist entirely without the intervention of any corporation or state. So you might be thinking, okay, cool. So then how does it work? So it runs on a distributed network called the Bitcoin blockchain. The blockchain, it's basically just a database. Like it's an Excel sheet that tracks all of the transactions happening with Bitcoin around the world. And this database exists on a network of computers around the globe, and it's simultaneously updated and everyone has access to it. So if, for example, one of these computers running the Bitcoin blockchain fails, the rest of them still have all the information they need to keep it going. If one computer is hacked, it doesn't matter because the database is secure everywhere else. So this is admittedly like a pretty simplified version of how the blockchain works. And we'll maybe get into this more in future episodes. But what you need to know right now is that Bitcoin runs on this network, which is safe because it's distributed globally and relies on the consensus of all of these computers to keep it chugging along. So no one is in control, no state, no government, no bank, because we're all in control. And it's this network that keeps it moving. So this relates to what I was saying about Bitcoin being a true peer-to-peer payments mechanism. This distributed network is running the show. The banks are out of the picture. We don't need them to move Bitcoin around, nor do we need their permission to own a Bitcoin wallet or to send it to whomever we want. And that's the impact of decentralization on a personal level. But let me paint a picture for you about how this decentralization is impactful on more of a macro level. So the U.S. government prints dollars, right? And they get to say how many dollars are printed and when. And those choices about how much money is printed affects the value of that money. So when a government prints too much money, we can see things like rapid inflation happen. Governments like to print money because it keeps an economy ticking along, but this can sometimes really backfire, like what we're seeing in Venezuela, where they saw rapid inflation, and as a result, their money lost its value almost overnight. 
I'll talk more about inflation and deflation in future episodes, but for now, just know that what happened there with Venezuela, like a country or leader propping up its economy for maybe untoward political reasons, like that cannot happen with Bitcoin. No one's in charge. It's crazy, right? I know. Another benefit of decentralization is that you really own your money when you own Bitcoin. Okay, so drawing another parallel with dollars, my dollars sit in a bank account. And when I'm feeling a certain way, maybe I open up my banking app and I look at the numbers on the screen. The numbers go up when I make a deposit and then they go down when I pay rent or like buy a brutally expensive moisturizer from Sephora. So I'm imagining in my mind a tidy little pile of money sitting in a bank vault somewhere. Um, But of course, that's not how it works. Uh, Banks operate on what's called a fractional reserve. So they only need to keep a small fraction of the total money that they have in all of their accounts in the bank. So let's say 10% of all their holdings they have in cash somewhere in a vault. And the rest is loaned out for a profit, making a ton of money for the bank in return. Like that's their basic business model. Okay, so if God forbid there was some terrible catastrophe and everyone from your bank tried to withdraw all their money at once, yeah, like if you're at the end of that line, you're going to be screwed. But you could still use your Bitcoin if you had some because Bitcoin doesn't sit in someone else's vault. When you own it, you really own it and you're in control. Now, this heightened responsibility and ownership has all sorts of implications and risks, but it's also one of the most beautiful things about this money. And it's also one of the main reasons why preppers and anarchists and libertarians love Bitcoin. But for me personally, this control and ownership is less about imagining some doomsday scenario and more about just being able to have it and move it around as I please. Like when I think of the small amount of Bitcoin that I own, it just really feels like it's mine. And if I needed to get out of Dodge or if I wanted to send some money to someone far away very, very quickly, my Bitcoin would be the first thing that I'd reach for. So in this way, it really represents a sort of freedom for me. And one of my favorite stories of this sense of freedom being realized is from Afghanistan. There's this woman, Roya Maboob, she's a tech entrepreneur who started a company called Women's Annex, which enabled Afghani women to write blogs and earn money via advertising on those blogs. So it's a great company. It brought a lot of women into the workforce for the first time and earned money for many of them for the first time. But there was a problem that came up very quickly. However, when it came time to pay them, because men typically control the finances and bank accounts of their wives and sisters and daughters in Afghanistan, Women can have bank accounts legally, but just culturally, it's not the done thing, apparently. So Women's Annex needed to pay these women, but they didn't have anywhere to pay them. And Bitcoin proved to be a really elegant solution in this case. Since these women didn't need to apply anywhere or apply with anyone to get a Bitcoin wallet, they were able to be paid instantly and hold on to that money themselves. So I know this is a crazy thing to say in a podcast about Bitcoin, but it really isn't about the money for me. It's about this idea of financial freedom or financial independence and what that can enable in someone's life. The creativity, the experimentation, or just a sense of peace. Like, none of these Afghani women are billionaires. Like, that's totally not the point of the story. But what's important now is that they have this autonomy with their money, and that is so powerful. And also, I cannot stress this enough, the whole Bitcoin thing is really just about knowing you have a choice with your money. Like, yes, I use Venmo, and yes, banks are very convenient for me as an American with good credit. Like, I use dollars, of course, every day. But I think we should know more about what we're giving up 
in exchange for the convenience that comes along with using services like these. Like, cool, if you consent, that's great. But do so after knowing the facts about how the legacy financial system works and understand the alternatives. Like, Bitcoin is a great alternative. Okay, that's going to be it for today. More Bitcoin basics next week. If you like what you heard, please rate the podcast five stars and subscribe wherever it is that you get your podcasts, please. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you next week.